social media empowering or exhausting? That's a nice title, but penguins or telenovelas? That's even nicer. <laughs> What's the equivalent of penguins for you in Romania? What do they show? <laughs> We show penguins. What do you show? Uh, stupid shows, games, uh, telenovelas, uh, Turkish telenovelas, or. <laughs> Hi, I'm Janan Marashligil. And I'm Laura Empano. And this is Not Loud Enough, a podcast where we, two very good friends, talk about feminism, migration, and culture in our daily lives. Hi, my dear. Hi, my dear. How are you? Good. It's snowing, like in a fairy tale outside. Oh, fairy tale Vienna. Winter finally came yes. in Vienna. Yeah. There was already winter in Austria, but not in Vienna. That's how Vienna is in my imagination always, like fairy tale Vienna. I'm sure the reality is different, but I always think of Vienna as a fairy tale. And, and It I has think many of, aspects, yeah. and fairy tale is one of them too. Exactly. <laughs> and we're going to talk today about social media, asking the question, is social media empowering or exhausting social media i mean it's a it's a broadened subject and most probably we will not be able to touch all the aspect of it in this episode as usual we are talking from our own perspectives and how what is our relationship with social media with regards to our work and our personal relationship so to say exactly our personal relationship with social media how we use it but also yeah. how it helps be, be loud about all these issues you know we care about because this is always linked to whatever we do is always linked to that all these things we care about and we want to be loud so social media actually helps uh, to be loud but sometimes it's too loud for me personally it's empowering but it can get exhausting as well yeah exactly I had I did a little break, a little social media break. I am personally on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have no. a Snapchat account, but I really don't use it. I mean, I'm too old for Snapchat. <laughs> and oh, and my go my goddaughter the other day sent me something called Musically, and she said, yeah. "Look, I I created video on Musically. Go check." And I went, "What is this?" Then I went on the app, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so old." <laughs> I don't understand this. You're not so, on with what's going on. Absolutely anymore, yeah. not. So the discussion actually we had, I, I feel it's going to be between two old women. <laughs> Because in the world of social media, we are unfortunately we are old. old. <laughs> Which platforms are you on? Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, Snapchat, it's thanks to you or because of you. I don't know. <laughs> you can blame me. And it's me. true. I, I only use it with you at some point, I think last year, but since then I didn't really use it. Oh, but yeah. I have this double account because I'm managing the accounts for Migration Lab, but also my personal accounts. So everywhere it's kind of double. Yeah, double. The, the, the personal and the professional yeah. mix. And I, I took a break uh, from social media a bit uh, longer ago after a very charged year. I simply felt the need to to have a break. I slowly now start to 
to get back. But I still don't feel a very like coming back with full force, so to say, and, mm. and being too 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 present because it, it felt exhausting. Exactly, it felt like sometimes we need to 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 have a small break from it yeah. in order to come back. It's exactly what I did actually because I'm very active on social media and. I use all my platforms to really push all these questions that are important for me currently regarding Turkey and freedom of expression issues and lots of questions around uh, racism and Islamophobia and women's rights. I'm constantly reading things and posts and articles and opinions from very clever people actually on uh, via social media. So I gather a lot of interesting information, interesting debates going about all these discussions. So I'm, I'm very empowered by all that. But sometimes it gets so much. It's a lot of information. And sometimes I'm yeah. like, no, I don't need to know this at midnight before going to sleep. You know, I'm like, enough. Put some boundaries, you know, boundaries. Yeah. When I talk with my goddaughter, with my nieces, with my, you know, with yeah. younger children and they, for them, there's no life without this. So it, it's a completely different reality for them. But for us, for instance, we, we used to live a life without social media and we were fine, actually. <laughs> but then I wasn't disempowered. I mean, I, I didn't have the same voice. I, I imagine if at 20, I, I would have social media. Yeah. Maybe I, I would have expressed myself earlier about many things, many issues. And my voice came later. I, I was empowered by social media to be honest exactly um, yeah. so I, I would I, I really want to recognize that before we go on criticizing and, <laughs> and give all the negative aspects of social media but because you know the exhausting part because I think we also should acknowledge of course the exhausting part and and share how we manage actually it's all about being able to manage these two aspects to yeah. remain strong and not get lost in all this information and lose yourself you know you get anxious you especially if you have a lot of empathy like you and I have you know we have a lot of empathy about so many things and yeah. when I read when I read a story of a girl who was raped somewhere in Turkey and burned and before I go to sleep I'm like I cannot sleep of course I cannot sleep I keep thinking and thinking and, and yes yeah. so that's not it, it's not productive for anyone for me to do that it's more productive if I can act on it in an intelligent way, try to raise awareness about women's rights issues in Turkey, for instance. But yeah. then I cannot do that at midnight from my bed. I mean, there's no point. So no, no. that's what I mean when trying to find the right balance. That's why that break I did was very useful for me. I, I was away from social media mm -hmm. for a week or so, with just looking very quickly if somebody was messaging me. Just So I'm not completely ignoring people I, I love either yeah. you know because I have lots of friends who talk to me on social media and I don't want to ignore people you know but but it was good because I was like okay I could read I could reflect more I could have meaningful conversation with people face to face or on the messaging and, and then I came back more relaxed I'm trying to find the right balance now but I'm still working on it it's not perfect I'm I'm the same, and the, the way I I use social media, it's uh, through getting empowered and give empowerment at the same time. I hope or inspiration. It's this. Uh, two ways so to say of course it's, it's closely related to to my work at migration lab and 
to all these causes that we believe in and we fight for as well. I use social media for sharing, uh, you know, information that it was interesting for me or it inspired me. I share, I share it back. But as you say, uh, doing that all the time, you, you go into this uh, other extreme maybe of a feeling exhausting, feeling it's too much feeling that there's no space in your in your head anymore for this. It's what you say, trying to, to find a balance, and I'm also working on that. Because of what we do, by the nature of what we do of our work, we cannot really have a break somehow, yes. you know? Even if you're, it happened to me, even if I was in a break and I was reading something interesting, I was like, oh, I had this feeling of, I want to share this. But then I'm like, no, I'm in a break. Yeah. <laughs> so you will have this back and forth and you yeah. would finally end up in, into sharing and going back, but just for, for a tiny bit. I mean, it has so many aspects. It's about getting in touch or staying in touch with our families as well, with our friends. The two of us, we stay in, in touch through social media too. I mean, there, there are so many, so many aspects. And then there's all this, this social aspect of social media that we cannot ignore. And it's, it's empowering for people, but um, it's also empower, empowering for governments. Zeynep Tufekci, who wrote a book called Twitter and Tear Gas, The Power and Fragility of Network Protest. We're going to link to her website on the show notes so you can go check it out yourself. It's a really excellent book. If people want to know more about yeah. the power, actually, that social media can have, especially network protests in this book, Twitter yeah. and Tear Gas, because she talks about the Tahrir Square, she talks about the Gezi Park protests, yeah. she talks about the Occupy movement. Mm -hmm. Really, she goes deep and it's, she's yeah. really an expert in the field. So I would definitely say go read Zeynep Tufekci, watch her videos, follow her on Twitter as well, at Zeynep. We will post all this in the show notes. Yeah. Because she has really a vo an important voice, I think. People don't usually think that far about how we use the impact on yeah. us, but also how governments uh, and power can make use of, of mm. these tools to control us, control people like us yeah. and citizens. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy that someone is analyzing this and is doing what she's doing you know um she explains yeah the the power of social media positively and negatively as well everything that that you said i didn't get to read i just started to read her her book but um uh, i i watched some videos about her talking about the book but li listening to her it felt to me especially what she's talking about uh, how, how the digital world make or break a social movement or both yes. uh, it's not an or maybe it's an end mm. um, got me thinking that it's also an opportunity for us now to figure out these things and to to figure out how to use social media to make a social movement uh, stronger to solve some issues which now social movements are dealing with think together and take decisions together so not only participate in a large scale together but what happens afterwards and you yeah. see this with all the protests and it's it's what happened in Romania as well you have large number of people who who come there because they want to change something but sometimes there's not a clear 
plan afterwards, what, what will happen afterwards. Uh, so that's why I said earlier, it got me thinking that it's such a, an opportunity and maybe we are in the middle of figuring out that, you know, we are the generation where it's working on how to solve this and to change this. Exactly. Then at the same time, uh, counterattacking the way governments use the social media and exactly. putting all kind of information there and then you get confused and then we get exhausted yeah. <laughs> we go back to you yeah. know so yeah it's it's all related of course exactly but like coming back to protests and how people get organized for instance during in 2013 During the Gezi protest in Turkey, uh, I was in London at the time and I was still a translator in residence at the Free World Center. And it was my last month, you know, it happened in May, the end of May, the protest started. So May, June, these were my last two months in, um, in London. So I had a platform ready for me there. It's, you know, I, I had that website, yeah. I had their social media, I had access to all these people working in freedom of expression. So I, I was so lucky to actually be at the Free World Center then when these happened because I was more useful there than if I would be in Istanbul or elsewhere. Yeah. Because everything... All the information I got from the protest was through social media. The official media showed the documentary about penguins. Exactly. <laughs> the night of the protest. So the penguin was always a, a, a joke that came back <laughs> afterwards. You know, penguins. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's now a, a keyword. Uh, you could learn about what was happening through social media. People yeah. were tweeting and posting uh, images and videos and and you could really mm -hmm. follow what's happening. And, and that was quite extraordinary to be able to do for me. And I had to, of course, navigate through the information to be able to translate it for another audience at the time in English, for yeah. the Free World Center, for their audience, for people who wanted to know more. So that translation work I did, it's not only translation of language, but translation of also clean, you know, trying to find the right information and what do I share because I don't want to repeat misinformation. And there yeah. was a lot of misinformation as yeah. well. So you get lost in all that. So mm -hmm. trying to find the people you can trust, that's very important on social media, like people you can trust journalists or experts in their field I, I, I believe strongly in expertise you know I, I don't care yeah. what people say I believe in expertise and in experts I yeah. think it's good to have people specialize in in certain topics and so I can follow yeah. them and I can you know trust their judgment on certain things and if they are good journalists specialized in geopolitics or in in certain regions of the world that's great you know yeah. we, we do want experts that doesn't mean we have to shut everybody else up but that's another yeah. that's another discussion so in yeah. terms of social media for me it was key to identify those uh, influencers mm -hmm. and uh, yeah the people i could learn from and be able then to find the right information and translate that and of course because I work a lot in literature and in comic I followed also the all the satirical magazines and I was looking at what they were doing because these people I have a very good sharp eye about and how they interpret what's happening so I would also translate mm -hmm. 
the cover of a satirical magazine or a comic and and try to show that to people oh look this is through the eyes of the comics artist and this is through the eye of a journalist this is through the eye of a columnist of a literature a writer i try to give different aspects in my work as a translator and social media for me was key very key because i couldn't find the information anywhere else it was all happening on social media It's very important and it's interesting because I had a a discussion with a very good friend of mine when I went home in December uh, in in Romania. And uh, at the time when I was there, uh, there were protests again, I think in Bucharest, but also in in other parts of of the country. And she was telling me that she, she, my friend, she she, she went to all the protests and everything. So she's someone who also participated digitally in, you know, gets her information about where the protest is going to happen and all these things. But interestingly, she told me, you know what, this time I cannot find any information in my feed about these protests, what is going on now. It's like, I always got something um, and this time nothing. And it was interesting because me who was living in another country... I could still get in my feeds information because I'm very connected to what's going on at home. And she was telling me, you know what? They are trying to block the information. And it's the same. It happens the same. Like the big uh, media outlets, they are broadcasting, I don't know what kind of uh, documentaries with whatever topics, but not what's what's going on or... (laughs) What? Or the government, it's it's leading its own counter-attack digital and its own counter-protest. So it's it's crazy how to remain <laughs> sane in all this and how to find the right, or I don't know if it's right to say the right information. What is the right information? Yeah. But to, to, I wanted to say to find the truth, but this is so yeah. complex to say of that. Of course. You know, uh, whose truth, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so these tactics are everywhere and thinking about what you said that it was so important for you, the social media in, in those times to, when you were in, in London to, to be able to share what was going on. It could be that people do not receive certain information right away, but they could receive what you shared for example and it's important that there is a different voice as well i know what's the situation in romania or i think i know because again everybody's quite confused about what's going on there but then when i see news european news about what's going on in romania it's not always reflecting Mm. what's going on there and there are so many complexities that cannot i don't know it cannot even be understood Um, and i have discussions with people because sometimes they ask me what's going on there and i will tell and then they say oh but uh, wait the media here wrote this and that and i'm like yeah, it's a bit, it, it's so difficult. But nevertheless, I think we should also mention that there are initiatives that try to make us aware about fake news, all these uh, open source digital platforms. But as Zeynep says, it's not enough. It needs to be a, a change politically and socially to take a decision collectively. But we're really at the beginning. We're still learning. Like you said, we should take this as an opportunity to, to do good with it. One of her articles started with um, what does it take for an advertisement for people who openly call themselves uh, Jews haters? What does it take 
for an advertisement like this to take place on Facebook. And there was an um, investigative platform who, who did this investigation and they said, well, it cost uh, about $10 and 15 minutes on Facebook to do that. And from there, she, she it's, it, it's a wonderfully argumented article. And from there, she shows that in order to understand how this can be possible nowadays is because you need to understand, for example, the business model of Facebook or Google or, and the use of algorithms and the fact that the algorithms, they don't make yeah. any difference and there's not enough uh, human um, overview on or filter about this. So we are out there with everybody, the ones who want to make good, the ones who uh, have uh, less good intentions. How do we get through that? I suppose by keep going. Right? Yeah, I, for, for me, on. I think like leaving the platforms is not a solution. Like Because sometimes yeah. I do have these feelings, you know, we talked about exhaustion and the break I had, I was like, oh, I'm so happy outside of social media. Huh? But then I realized, yeah. no, 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 it's not a solution to leave social media. I don't want to leave yeah. those platforms in the in the hands of only hatred and also advertising. And if we if we can produce quality content and put it out there, and even if less people will see my content, I, you know, I don't care if less people see it. I don't need to reach millions of people. And and it's good to create this positive content and quality content and critical as well you know because i personally i'm always very self-critical as well always thinking self-reflecting and and posting things out there that i think matter to make a better world that's also why i work with cultural organization on their social media strategy that's why i try to to find good ways of sharing important stories like currently i work with um, a program called tandem it's a cultural exchange program i am managing their their online storytelling so through their website and social media and you see how i call this storytelling i don't call this communication someone will, will say yeah you just mm-hmm. do comms yeah it's more than comms i'm not just uh, copy pasting content for people to exactly. reach people I, i'm trying to gather the essence of why mm-hmm. people do what they do in this program for instance all these people from different places across Europe and beyond Europe, the neighboring countries, all the different regions, you know, not only EU, also outside of the EU countries trying to work together. And you have all these amazing people trying to do, achieve social change through culture. Okay. Yeah. So this is mainly what they all do. And they get together and they find different ways of doing this through projects, art, culture. Working together. Working together. It's, a collab- it's about collaboration. So my job is to try to find these important stories and try to put them out through social media, through the website. Mm-hmm. Talking about audience, do we reach millions of people? No, but we don't want to absolutely to reach millions of people. We, we re- want to reach enough people so we can continue also give energy, empowering yeah. all these people doing the same work and, and maybe reach others who may not know about it because this is also important. On the one hand, you, I personally, for instance, do this. When I share something, I share to empower people who more or less think like myself. I never, I never think like I'm going to change someone's mind because I don't mm-hmm. think it's that easy. You know, I, you and I had already had discussions about this, even with our own families. Sometimes you're like, yeah. it's, it's very difficult to change someone's mind. So at my first step is always to work with people who more or less are thinking similarly about certain issues, who care. And not always. Yeah. Sometimes I'm very surprised to hear certain things in my circles from people very 
problematic discourses around yeah. issues around migration and racism mm. and feminism. Oh my God, yeah. feminism, that one. I mean, yeah. okay, guys, I'm putting it out there. I am a feminist. Okay, yeah. d- deal with it. <laughs> okay. When I do share stories, first, I, I hope they give they empower people and they make people feel like, yes, I also think like that's Mm -hmm. so nice. Let me continue doing what I do. And the next step, hopefully if I can make someone think and like, Oh, I never thought about this, this way, maybe Mm -hmm. I should reconsider. So that's the next step, but I don't think I'm at the stage yet when I say something and people are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to just change my mind about this issue. <laughs> no, of course it, it doesn't work like that. And and I know very well because by the nature of what I do, the kind of bringing people together and talking about um, issues around uh, migration and identity and all these things, um, it's not easy. I mean, it, to change the mind, it, it was one of the goals, but... I don't want to say struggle, but and or fight, because it's 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 uh, not about that, that. But it's a continuous conversation. Let's say it needs to to keep going. And as you say, it's it's if it's inspiring people, if it makes them reflect, see a certain topic through another eyes. That's already something. And this is how, yeah, this is, the, this is for us, the power of social media. Exactly. Both of us, yeah. I, I want to read something from Zeynep's book, if you don't mind, uh, that links, links very well to all we said. And it's in yeah. her, it's in her pref- preface uh, of the book, uh, Twitter and Tear Gas. So Zeynep Tufekci. Collective actions, social movements and revolutions are woven into the fabric of human history. They have been studied at great length and for a good reason. They change history. Whether their actions lead to social revolution, as historically they did in France, China, and Russia, to regime change, as in Tunisia in 2011, or Ukraine in 2013, or simply to reform a new legislation like the U.S. civil rights movement, people gathering to demand action, attention, and change have helped shape the world for centuries. They will no doubt continue to do so, but they now operate in a newly altered terrain. Digital connectivity reshapes how movements connect, organize, and evolve during their lifespan. So I think this gives a very good introduction to what to expect in this book. And it's it's kind of, you know, I like how she said it, it's part of human history. That's what I like about everything she does. It's like she reminds us that, you know, it's not like the digital is something like, completely apart from humanity it is part of it is our history now it's up to us to make it good how to use it yes you know why because i i have friends who still well i have friends who are not at all on any social media they're they're they don't have any digital footprint almost I have others who, <laughs> there are still people uh, <laughs> like that. And I'm not saying this in a bad way. Not at Do all. they exist really? Like- uh, yes. <laughs> and um, 
I have friends who have social media, but then they they are fed up with seeing, I don't know, puppies and I don't know what else and food. And But then I always ask, like, but have you thought about using it in a way that, I don't know, it relates to your interests? So I think it depends on how people perceive social media or its role as well or their interests because they are not in, if they are not interested in into changing anything around them then they will make use of social media just in a very personal rare interaction yeah way lots of movements especially if we talk about social movements and social justice a lot happens through social media i'm not saying only that of course because that will diminish all the work the amazing work people keep doing on the field but then it's everything that zeynep tufekci talks about in her mm. book you know these network protests huh? uh, what does it mean to get organized so quickly through social media and but then what's the legacy all the different issues are trying to work on and understand i try to understand them in the global Uh, aspect mm -hmm. and that's where also translation comes in for me because I'm on social media in different languages you know I follow people in French in Spanish in Turkish and it gives you a different perspectives on the world than than if you only follow in English for instance that's yeah. also for me it's a huge difference it's like reading the news I don't only read the news if I would only read the Guardian I would have a yeah. completely different view of the world I don't only read the Guardian you know and so I, I try to read different news uh, outlets Mm -hmm. uh, of course, they always tend to be left. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't read like Breitbart or whatever. But, <laughs> uh, but still, I mean, I try to have a, a global perspective, and and it's not enough, you know. I'm 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 reading European languages apart from Turkish, but it's mostly yeah. like you know when I read French. Oh well, French and English it can be non-European too. So that's um, true. So yeah, so but I mean I'm I'm not re reading the news from Senegal. Huh? I'm I'm reading the news yeah. that are published in in mainly in France, for instance, which is again another yeah. perspective. Ah, yeah. Or Belgium sometimes. So you you always go where you know. That's why I I like Twitter because sometimes people will link to an article on a on a news outlet that I never heard of, or and it's good because then you learn about something new because you trust this person's judgment. So if this person posts this on a certain topic, it means it's important. So you just click on it and you start reading. That's why I like social media in a sense. That's why it's important to know how these things work. We're coming back to, yeah. to media literacy here, you know. It's important to know how these things work so you can follow the right people and you don't like your friend who says, I don't want to see puppies. Yeah, well, sometimes I do want to see puppies, you know. I don't mind seeing puppies and cats. Uh, it makes me happy when somebody posts a silly cat video. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, internet is also that. You can also choose what you want to see when. So of course. If I want to feel happier, I go on Instagram and I don't bother to go on Twitter. If I don't want to get mad, I just think, okay, today Twitter, take it down a notch. But then I also met amazing people through Facebook and Twitter. Yes. So empowering, exhausting, I think it's both. And I think it's it up is. to us to... To find the right balance. Totally agree. I, I had uh, in, important collaboration coming out from uh, connecting through Facebook, being found on Facebook uh, and uh, being asked to participate in certain uh, meetings. Um, at the Museum Boymans, for example, in, in Rotterdam, three years ago or two years ago, this is uh, one of the programmer, artistic programmer there. They found me on the internet. They invited me. And out of that, 
Um, I got a wonderful collaboration uh, with Rederai Lampedusa, which yeah. you've been there too with with the the, the series of events on a, on a refugee former refugee boat, a series of living rooms, migration lab living rooms happening uh, there, and we were sailing on Amsterdam waters. That is one example, but it is important. That's why I also said earlier that because of the work, what we do, we cannot really be away too much from, from social media. It is a way to find interesting institutions to work with, interesting people, people who, I don't know, also this, the, the fact that you can, you can get in touch with, with someone who inspires you, with a writer, with an artist, with uh, cultural institutions. And me too, if I speak at an event, then afterwards I see, uh, I receive emails or I, uh, I see people following me on, on, on Instagram or on whatever uh, social media outlet. And then, um, a collaboration gets out of there. This I love about social media, the fact that it's a space which also creates these kind of connections. Totally. And we've seen the impact also on with the Me Too movement. I mean, across the yes, world, women started exactly. sharing their stories through this yeah. Me Too, which became, a, okay, let's see now if how real change is going to happen. But I think it's, it's happening. Something is going to, things are going to change. Yes. And people shouldn't underestimate the power of, being able to speak out. Yes. It's, it's, it's not easy. Just because it's a tweet doesn't mean it's easy to express. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to share something that intimate and that something happened to you that the whole world is going to be able to read. It's not easy to do that. Even if it's text, it's still you writing. So people shouldn't under, underestimate the power it can yeah. give you to do this. And that's why I try to think more and more positively about how good we can make good use of these, uh, these tools. That's the thing. You, you can challenge. Yes. You challenge the status quo. You say, this is not what we want. And by starting, you start speaking. That's already a big step. Of course, we, we, need, we want to go towards real change. We want yes. to see legislative change. We want to, you know... It, it, Political it's not, change. Yes, yeah. it's not only about talking and make ourselves happy because we talked no but it's a first step we, we shouldn't diminish this first step this is such an important step in the past we didn't used to be able to do this we didn't have these tools and yeah. in some parts the censorship would not allow yeah. i mean the authoritarian exactly. states yes. wouldn't we both know we came from yeah <laughs> countries with authoritarian yes. background Yes, no, totally. And the freedom that social media can still give you now, you know, in certain places. To go to, against that censorship, you, you can use social media as well. But then they can also use that against you. In a place like Turkey at the moment, you can go to jail for a tweet. So I have a question for you, or maybe for both of us, not only for you. Do you feel, when you are not on social media, when you are cut out of social media, when you're in a break, do you feel like you're cut out of the world? Or cut out of what's going on out there? I thought I would be. So when I started, I thought, you know, when I said I will stop going on social media that often, I thought I would be cut out of the world. But I wasn't because I still read news. So what I did, I didn't like completely close the phone and the iPad and said, I'm not going online. You know, I wasn't yeah. cut. I wasn't offline. But I wasn't on social media, so I didn't go on all these different platforms where interaction was possible. I only read 
specific sites that I wanted to follow, news sites or mm -hmm. things I wanted just to read. So I was reading the news. I was listening to the, mm -hmm. I listened a lot to the radio. And on the radio, they have the news as well. So it's good. Yeah. So, and that felt good actually, because I was like, okay, so I can read at my ease. I know what's more or less what's happening in the world. Then I can go read a book and I can, I watch a Netflix show, you know, like relax, cool. Perception of time, it's different, right? Completely, completely. different. <laughs> and the rhythm, the rhythm, it's different. Completely different, completely. I, I was like so relaxed. Yes, yes. <laughs> But sometimes I did feel the need, like I was reading an interesting article and I'm like, oh, I'd love to share it. And then I thought, okay, think a second. It's okay if you don't share it, you know, you don't have to share everything all the time. And I thought, this is not, you don't really have a, something to say about this. So it's fine. Just don't share. Yes, exactly. It's okay. Yeah. No, but it's true. Usually I'm, uh, I'm the same when going to some event or some concert or either I, I took some snapshots, some pictures, but try not to post right away on social media because this takes time from actually mm -hmm. enjoying what's there. It, it takes attention away. Yeah. That's why I asked you because I also felt when I'm not on social media, it's true I'm not offline, so we are still online, but I love this perception of time that that you have and this quietness somehow and I don't know maybe because it's winter outside and it's snowing you have no idea why this feel for a bit of silence and quietness and you know Friday I did this talk at the Cobra Museum and I mm -hmm. only posted about it on Sunday because I yeah, so I had some time days to, ago yeah so I had time to reflect on it and, and post something interesting that I thought could could be interesting for people to read you know not just like okay here's me talking yeah. I wanted to tell a story about that moment and how I felt and it felt good to say it a few days later. Or for instance, when I posted about, I met this really great writer, um, German-Turkish writer who came to Amsterdam. Her name is Fatma Aydemir. She, mm -hmm. Her first novel came out in Germany last year and Dutch translation came out. And for instance, I went to the talk, I took pictures and after I, I posted about her because I want to... I want to promote people like her, you know, yeah. I want people to know about, I want my audiences, I want my friends, I want my, everybody around me to know that she exists and she's doing some more good work. Yeah. Even if I'm not reaching again millions, but I have publishers in my, in my, you know, network. I have people in literature. I have people interested in all the things she talks about. Yeah. And so I want these people to know she exists. And it's good because if you don't follow German literature, maybe you won't know about her. And I knew her via her Dutch translation. And I'm like, I'm making connections with my French-speaking audience, but with my mm -hmm. English-speaking audience. And mm -hmm. so that's a bit the message. Uh, this is also, I, I try to use social media in that way as well, like coming back to the idea of putting good things out there. So it's not promotion for because I, I don't gain anything I don't translate German so even if somebody wants to translate her I'm not going to be the translator I don't translate yeah. from German <laughs> so I don't gain anything doing this but it's yeah. again it's part of why I am out there trying to challenge official narratives challenge the status mm -hmm. quo caring about social justice because this writer specifically she cares about these things too so for me it's it's empowering to have somebody like her successful as she is and I want her success to be elsewhere 
and I, I, I don't need to gain something from it. I, yeah, I humanly, exactly. I gain already humanly. It's not about making money. It's not about mm -hmm. raising my profile or anything. It's, it's just human. I, yeah. And that's important. I think social media needs also to be a space for that. Totally agree. The day you're ready to read in German, check her book maybe in Vienna. Yes, of course. I, I, I told you that I'm going to, to buy the book in German. And, ah, uh, good. I'm going to read it in German, in the original. That's good. Because she, she wrote it in German, not yes, yes. in Turkish. No, no, no. She's, yeah, she's German. Like It was great because after we went to have a drink with her and another friend of mine, you know her, Meltem Holeceli, uh, yeah. she's also a writer. So we yeah. were like three writers from three different European countries with Turkish heritage. heritage. You know, the, the German, the Belgian and the Dutch with Turkish heritage. And we were like, oh, we found each other. And we found yeah. each other in this... You're going to like this. It was at Page's bookstore. Yes, the amazing place. The amazing place that's been set up by Samer Al-Kadri. He's a refugee from Syria. Syria, yeah. He first fled to, to Turkey, Istanbul, mm -hmm. where he opened the first Page's bookstore. There. Maybe I can tell you one last story before we wrap up. Years ago, I was in a play in Belgium, near somewhere near Mons. It's a old mining community south of Belgium, economically difficult area. And we needed to promote the place. Well, that, that was 1999. We didn't even think about online communication at that time. And we thought, okay, how are we going to get people from the neighborhood into this theater? Because the neighborhood was all like all, all these people who used to work in the mines. And so socioeconomically, these are lots of very disadvantaged population in Belgium. So we, we decided with the director at the time to, to just go door to door, tell people about the play, just in the streets around the theater. And so what we did, uh, it, it was really, I still remember that day because every door, so you had completely different reactions. Some people <laughs> would just slam the door at your face. I don't want to buy anything. Bam! <laughs> or you, you had this, this, oh, this old man who said, I just lost my wife and he was very sad and, and I, we were like, oh, we're so sorry, you know, like, okay, and then, you know, he closed the door. And then you had this family, the, the dad, the mom, and then they had two kids. The guy listened, we gave them, a, you know, because we had these flyers and we told him about the play and, uh, and he came with his family. So only this family. So I don't know, maybe other people came, we didn't really see, but we saw him because then he, he waited for us after And we talked yes. with them. So he was there with his wife yes. and his uh, kids. It was really exciting because then he said it was the first time they were going all together to the theater. Oh, wow. Yes. And he was so excited that we did this actually door to door. It's yeah. a wonderful story. You But introduced I, them to I, the theater. Yes, we introduced them to theater through this way. So yes. Why do I tell this story to you now? Because I'm thinking if we had... The social, offline. Yeah, the offline. Like magical things happen. And I of think course. these magical moments, we can still have them. Just yeah. because we are online doesn't mean we have to stop thinking outside of the internet. We can still have these magical moments. I, I still have those kind of moments. I don't know. I'm sure you do too. You do have them, especially yes. in the living room. Migration lab uh, event. You, you don't have, you don't work online. You're all in the same space and you talk and you share. Exactly. While on the one hand, we use social media to be empowered. We still need 
the real life connections and continue to work in the field. So that's what I was trying to say with this beautiful story, which I, I will never forget in my life because it, it was beautiful, really. And it's about finding a balance between uh, online oh. and offline and between uh, carrying on and totally feeling <laughs> exhausting. It's, uh, yeah. Let, let's all go knock on people's doors. That's not exhausting at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is so much more to say, but I hope we did touch on the idea of empowerment and exhaustion, how to find the right balance. And thank you very much for listening for this episode of Not Loud Enough. So you can find all the links and resources from this episode in our show notes. We will be back with a new episode soon. We're trying not to put any dates because Laura and I want to keep this uh, relaxed, right? We want to, yes. to have fun with this podcast. We want this to be a pleasure for us. So we'll be back soon. And you can find us. Where can you find us, uh, Laura? On Twitter, at NLE Podcast, on Facebook, at uh, facebook.com slash notloudenoughpodcast. We also have an email address if you would like to uh, write us notloudenoughpodcast at gmail.com and uh, we would love to uh, receive your thoughts your uh, comments yeah if it's not too exhausting for you to to send us a tweet or a comment on, on Facebook we would love to hear from you and thank you thank you so much and remember we can never be loud enough about issues we care about <laughs> until next time bye bye, bye.